seen my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, they have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened unto my voice. And later, in another scripture, God called them a stiff-necked people. Exodus 32 and 9, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are stiff-necked people. In all of this, God still gave them the law. In the midst of all their problems, God still gave them the law and the ordinance and got to guide them to becoming what he wanted them to be. Galatians 3 and 24 says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith come, everyone said, after faith came. We are no longer under the schoolmaster. That was the goal, to get the people to a place of faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The goal of the law was for people to have faith in God and his ability. The point in bringing out these facts about Israel seemingly unworthiness is that God was still willing to work with them even though they were not where they needed to be yet. That's not an excuse to do wrong and expect God to overlook it and be okay with it. That's not the point here. But rather, an understanding that God works with imperfect people, guiding them into more truth and holiness. And if you can get that understanding in your heart, you can believe God for more, and he'll do more in you. You see, most of us are waiting until we get perfect. And then God will do something. He'll use us. He'll, we'll, be, you know, we'll be on top of the mountain, and we'll be able to do the great works of God. But that's not, God is not incapable of working with people that don't have everything together. Hallelujah. And I thank God for that because most of us would be sent down the road if it was a company. We'd <laughs> anyway, okay, let's just go on here. The God was willing to bring them to the promised land right up until the 14th chapter of Numbers when they finally rejected God's promises to go into the promised land and instead chose to, to take a leader and go back to Egypt. Numbers 14 and 4 says, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. That's when God said, No, I can't handle that. I can't take that. Don't, you can't be going back. At this point, God rejected them from going into the promised land and brought judgment on them of wandering in the wilderness. Everyone except Joshua and Caleb, 20 years and upward, would spend the rest of their life wandering in the wilderness. And yet, for all of this, God did not take away the manna for 40 years. I'm trying to drive home a point here tonight. God is faithful. And it's our un misunderstanding of him that holds us back. Hallelujah. 
everyone except Joshua and Caleb, wandering. But God was still taking care of them. There was still the pillar of fire, and the cloud was still there. The tabernacle, the ark of the covenant, all still there in the 40 years of wandering. Yes, they had done wrong. Yes, they had punishment that God gave them. God still took care of his people. He still kept his promise to Abraham, and the generation chose not to enter into the promised land. God would later take their children into the promised land, whom they said that would be devoured. Sadly, we see a whole group of people in Christian today that do not want to believe God to enter into the promise of the Father, the Holy Ghost. Whole denominations. It's sad. Israel entered into the promised land. It is a typology of us entering into the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you that the Holy Ghost is more than just speaking in tongues the first time? Hallelujah. Acts 1 and 4 says, And being assembled together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, You have heard of me. Therefore, being, this is the 23rd verse, and therefore being on the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, that's the promise of the Father, both those scriptures brought together to show you, and I know you believe, most of you believe that anyway, that the promise of the Father was the Holy Ghost, he should shed forth, which you now see and hear. Yes, there was 120 received the Holy Ghost on that day. Acts 2 and 16 says, but this is that which is spoken of by the prophet Joel, it shall come to pass in the last day, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaids I will pour out my, in that day of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And the reason I bring that scripture is I want you to understand the Holy Ghost is also about prophesying. The Holy Ghost is also about entering into the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy, the Holy Ghost is more than just getting at a good experience at an altar and sitting down on a pew, pew and waiting for the rapture. That's not God's plan at all. God's plan for you to use and be used in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you this little secret. The gifts actually work better on the outside of the church than they do in the church. You can see people... You can see people healed in Walmart if you'll believe God for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anyway, that's not my notes. Now, we, we go back to our text. We have 70 men chosen by Moses because God told him to. And God takes of Moses' spirit and imparts it to the 70 men. And now this was not the Holy Ghost. The Holy, the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And we'll see that in John 7, 39 in just a minute. It's not like what we receive today. But it was a special leadership anointed given to Moses. And it was so powerful that God taking just a portion and dividing it on, off to 70 people, they couldn't help themselves. They began to prophesy. And the Bible said they ceased not. They ceased not. They continued. John 7, 39. 
but the, they but this spake he of the holy uh, of the spirit which was which they which believed on him should receive for the holy ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified so we know that uh, this is not the holy ghost that we're talking about hallelujah the bible actually calls it something better he had, he had saved for us there is still a special portion given I want you to catch this. To those that work under their leadership, there's anointing at that leadership. And when you work in harmony, there is a part of that leadership's anointing that will pass down to you. That's an important part. That's what happened there to these 70 people. So, Moses was a type of our Savior. There are so many scriptures, there's no way I could have put them all in tonight. Uh, he was the deliverer of God's people in the Old Testament. Uh, he was typology of our Savior. He, 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 he was not the Savior, but he played the role of the Savior to Israel. In so much that Paul recognized this and said that Israel was baptized unto Moses. 1 Corinthians 10 and, and 1 said, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our, all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So he had so many things that he, he, did, he played the role of a Savior, showing us what our Savior was going to be like. Hallelujah. Acts 7, 37 and this Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord our God raise up among you, unto you, of your brethren, like unto me, him you shall hear. So Moses absolutely prophesied of Jesus' coming, and that he would, be a, he would be a leader, he would be a prophet like Moses. Of course, greater, we know that. So getting back to our text, just a portion of the special anointing of the leadership that God had placed on Moses was enough for these 70 men to begin to prophesy. Now prophesy uh, has many connotations in the Bible. I won't go into that tonight. I'll wait, I'll wait to teach you on prophecy. Uh, but there, there's no doubt that the Spirit of God prompted them. Hallelujah. And two men who didn't go up to the meeting, though they were called Edad and Medad, Eldad and Medad, for some reason they didn't go up. We don't know why. Yet, because God had chosen them, they began to prophesy, praise God. Hallelujah. In other words, it was not just a little short, you know, few words. It said they ceased not. Then someone read and told Moses, and, of course, Joshua was there, and said, look, these guys are, you know, they're back here, and they're, they didn't come up here, and they're, they're prophesying. And Joshua got the idea that that wasn't good for his leader. And so he, he sticked up for his leader and said, now, the, Moses forbid it. And I love what Moses said. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah.
soon as I find it again, I'll, I'll read it. All right. Numbers 11 and 29. And Moshe said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. What a spirit this man had. What a spirit. He wasn't worried about his vision. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm sure there's many times he'd say, you want it? You can have it. <laughs> but that's not the point. When God puts somebody in charge, and nobody can take it away. Hallelujah. He understood that. Hallelujah. And he said, don't worry about this, Joshua. It's a training moment for you. We want, I, I would want God's people, all of them, to be, uh, to feel what I'm feeling, to feel what these seven are feeling and prophesy. Hallelujah. What spirit, what a spirit this great man had. Hallelujah. This is the same spirit Jesus had. Same. John 14 and 12. Very, very, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works I do, shall he do, and greater works. He wasn't worried about it. Jesus is not jealous of you. He's not holding his, his power and his, and his gifts behind his back so you can't quite reach him. He said, here they are. Come on. Come on. I want, I want you to have them. And not only do I want you to have them, I want you to do greater works. Hallelujah. God, Jesus was not offended that somebody would do greater works. Of course, he probably was not speaking of an individual, but he was speaking of his body, the church. Hallelujah. And it was plain that his body would do many things greater. Hallelujah. Because the body didn't just, it wasn't just three and a half years. It's been going on for hundreds of years now. Praise God. The pattern, the pattern of the church could only be found, can only be found in the book of Acts in the New Testament. The first church was full of power. Not just by the apostles, it is evident. This nullifies the false doctrine that uh, it only, was only for the apostles and the first church. It is possible to dilute any church group down to just a religious organization. And that we can be in danger of that. What was the first church like? Well, Acts 2, 120 got the Holy Ghost. Acts 3, the lame man was healed. Acts 4, 120 plus 3,000 was filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, two people dropped dead and an angel was seen. Chapter 6, the waiter of tables got busy and started doing miracles and wonders. Hallelujah. Chapter 7, Stephen's face stoning. His face was shown like an angel and he saw a vision. Acts 8, chapter, uh, chapter another table waiter heals the sick and did miracles and cast out devils. And an angel spoke to him and told him to take a ride on a Holy Ghost chariot, hallelujah. Ninth chapter, Spirit spoken to a mixed-up worshiper of Jehovah and changed him into an apostle, hallelujah. Paul, hallelujah. Somebody that was not an apostle saw a vision, oh my, from the Lord and healed 
Saul's blindness. We prayed him through the Holy Ghost. 10th and 11th chapter, we saw non-Jews receive visions and angels and speak in tongues. And Peter had a vision and, and is spoken to by the Spirit. Chapter 11, and it goes on and on and on and on. I, I'm going to cut out some of that because there's, most of you know that. So the manifestation of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Well, that word man, it means mankind. Every man to profit with all the gifts of the Spirit. The manifestation, the word manifestation means an expression, a bestowment, a manifestation. And Donald G. in his book, dated 1928, wrote it this way. The gifts of the Spirit are the shining forth of the glory of God. So to exhibit the expression and shining forth of the Spirit, it is given to every man, every person, every person filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now, the order of the Spirit, it would be a disaster to just let our service open to everything and do anything they thought. God is not the author of confusion. So this is not talking about that. First thing, the gift is to edify the body. That's the first rule. It's never to tear people down. It's not the gift of suspicion. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's to build up the body, the church. And this, of course, is not God's way to have uh, uh, confusion. That's why the, these scriptures were written, and we're going to read some of them. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 said, Let all things be done decently in order. But that didn't mean to stop all gifts. That didn't mean to, to, to quench the spirit. Hallelujah. You see, God is a God of order, and so much so his service must flow in, in order. Yet some have taken it to a new level and hemmed God in until he cannot wiggle. The safeguards are, God has safeguards. Governments, which is the pastor and, and those elders in the church. And, and, and then it has another layer, which is the gift of discernment of spirits, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge come into play. And it says that those that have those gifts can judge others with similar gifts, much like a parent guiding a child that's just learning how to walk. But if the child never tries to walk, we got problems. In the gifts of the Spirit, there's the time you're going to mess up. And if you don't believe God to say, okay, you know, I messed up, uh, get some counsel from pastor or whatever, then you probably won't try again. And that's important. Hallelujah. It's important for you to try again. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So uh, the witness, there's the witness of the Holy Ghost too. You can tell. I've been in, 
in church services where there was a tongues and interpretation and it was of the devil. And it was a, a person full of the devil, but you could tell it. It was just like ice. Hallelujah. That's what we got governments for. That's why we got pastors and elders for. Hallelujah. The personal lifestyles also is a, a rule. You know, if, you're, if they're living totally in sin, uh, that's not what God is going to be using. Sister Freeman told me this story, though. Uh, she told of the time she was evangelizing, and she was taken ill. And it's so ill that her throat was to the point she could not even speak, and she was supposed to preach. And she was at this church, and she kept praying, God, you know, I can't speak. I, my, my voice is gone. And uh, I get the pastor's going to call me pretty quick. He kept praying. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And so she uh, prayed again, and, and, and nothing happened. Finally, it was time for her to get up, and she, and she motioned the pastors that she couldn't talk. And so the pastor said, well, let's pray for Sister Freeman. She needs help. So they prayed, and nothing happened. So I don't know about you, but I don't have a backup plan if it don't work the first time. They pray again, I guess, you know. So... Uh, and so they did. They, they prayed again. Finally, she saw the corner of her eyes, she saw this woman crawling up the aisle, and she laid her hand on Sister Freeman, and when she did, she was instantly healed and got up and preached had a wonderful service. So afterwards, she asked the lady, why did you wait so long? And the lady said, I've been a backslider until two weeks ago when I prayed through and I felt unworthy. But when God forgives, he forgives. Hallelujah. God is not for backsliding, but he is for restoration and for edifying his body. Now, he could have chosen anybody else in that church. He could have chose the pastor. He could have chose anybody else. Why did God choose that one? He wanted, them to, uh, wanted her to understand that God would still use her when she's living right. Hallelujah. And back prayed through the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I don't know anything else about the woman's life. I'm just telling you the story that I was told. Armed with the gift of the Spirit, we are equipped to evangelize. Endued with the gift of the word of wisdom and knowledge, the church is equipped to subdue the proud philosophies of this world. When, P, when, when Stephen was, uh, was being tried, they could not withstand his words because it wasn't him speaking. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. That's, that's because the gift of the Spirit, endued with the gift of healing and the power of of working miracles, the church can defy and disarm heathenism and unbelief. Endued with the gift of faith and discernment of spirit, the church can be made strong to face the bitterest persecution, for she will have the supernatural grips on the unseen and the eternal. Armed with the gift of, of inspirational utterance, preaching, prophesying, she has the word of, of revelation spoken to her in the midst. 
which fires both the speaker and the hearer with ministry that could never be produced by the most brilliant natural oratory or the most persuasive logic. God can do all kinds of things that we just don't realize. Second Corinthians three and and two or three and six, who also made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth. You can take this Bible and you subtract the Spirit, and it'll kill you. It'll kill you deader than doornail because you cannot live up to it. But you add the Spirit. <laughs> That's the only way we can walk. Hallelujah. Praise God. Manifestation, the presence of God, adapted from that same book by Donald G. in 1928. Probably the effect of the spiritual gifts rightly exercised in the church gathers gatherings is found in the 25th verse of 1 Corinthians 14. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Somebody comes into church. All of a sudden, the, the, the Holy Ghost speaks either through the pastor or through prophecy or tongues and interpretation. All of a sudden, his heart is ripped open, and the things that he had been hiding is there, revealed. And he, he ha cannot say any other than God's in you. I have been many times that I've had people come and pastors had people come, the different pastors I've been under, and, and they swear that I'd be dealing with somebody and pastor get up and preach. And, and uh, they look at me and said, you told the pastor, didn't you? I said, I did not tell him anything. I don't do that. I don't tell like stuff like that. He said, that was God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It really changes things about. Hallelujah. This is not the voice of a person that uh, came in and believing, but an unbeliever is talking about. And he will say, God is in you of a truth. It is the working of the supernatural power of God that causes the under unbeliever to confess that God is in the meeting. 1 Corinthians 12, chapter Verses 1 through 3, we're going to deal with first here. I'm not going to read them, but uh, they can put them up on the board if they want to. Verse 1 tells us the subject is the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 2 tells us Paul, why Paul is teaching. It says this, that you were, you were idol worshipers. You were worshiping a God that could not see, it could not hear, and could not talk to you. Therefore, you need to know how to operate in the spirit of the true God that, is, that can speak. In other words, you need to know the rules of the gui and guidelines. Verse 3 says it's an absolute, unchangeable rule. First of all, nobody that says Jesus is cursed is of God. 
That's not the Spirit of God. But those that say that are operating in the right spirit say that Jesus is Lord. That's, that's just the basics. That's not the, the totality of it. That, that is the basics of it. This is why Paul's writing this. Verse 4, I will read this. Now there are diversities of gifts and the same spirit. And there are diverse, uh, differences of administration but the same Lord. Verse 6, and there are diversity of operation but the same God which worketh all in all. 7, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So the writer makes one thing clear. These gifts are operated by the Spirit of, the, of God. It's called the Holy Ghost. Turns right around, calls it the Holy Ghost. In the fourth verse, calls it the same Spirit. In the fifth verse, the same Lord. Sixth verse, the same God worketh all. Seventh verse, it calls it the manifestation of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Eighth verse, it calls it the Spirit. Ninth verse, calls it the same Spirit. 11th verse calls it one and the self-same spirit. The 13th verse tells us that they are baptized into one spirit and made to drink of one spirit. Praise God. So he wanted the, those idol worshipers to understand this is different than your idol worship, different than all the things you've been taught. This is the spirit of God, and there's one spirit, only one. Hallelujah. Paul is very clear. The spirit he was talking about is the spirit of God. So the Holy Ghost is the spirit of God. And there is only one spirit, not three, not seven, not nine, as Benny Hinn says. Hallelujah. There's only one spirit. Mark 16 and 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. We like to we like to get on that one. We don't so much like on the devil side, you know, casting out devils. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These are the gifts talking about. It says, "To these signs shall be following those that believe." Hallelujah. Let's put it this way. Let's see, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Paul does something unique. He uses the analogy of the body to explain the gifts of the Spirit. He says, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, then I am not the body of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And he goes on and teaches on that. Read that when you get home. Let's put it this way, though. The word of wisdom cannot say that I'm not the word of knowledge, so I, I don't have any need of you. They do not stand alone. They work together. Knowledge tells me that my car is empty of gas. Wisdom tells me 
I need to go fill up. See the difference? They work together. <laughs> I had a flat tire today, first one of my truck. Wisdom told me I needed to go get it taken care of. I promptly forgot. After we had a crawfish boil there today, by the time I come out, it was no longer drivable. It was flat. So I could have used a little bit more wisdom there today. We did have to get it pumped up, and I got it taken care of. Hallelujah. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. You can know a lot of things, but you've got to have wisdom to, to work them. In other words, we must not elevate one gift above the other, but we are guilty of this. We are guilty of it. They might say, oh, so-and-so, a great prophet, is going to come to church. I've seen it happen. Sit on my platform. After church, all the good saints line up. They want a word from the Lord. But what about the prophet that might be right in the church? And we're guilty of that. And we'll run clear across the country to some big meeting because so-and-so's preaching, and he's a prophet. He's going to give us a word from God. We can go on. And, yeah, there's a, there's a good thing in being encouraged, and that's, I'm not against that. But what I'm trying to bring out is there should be people in our own church that has a word of wisdom, have a word of knowledge, have a help, a government help, you know, something to help the, the pastor and leadership. And we have those who have... Sunday school teachers and all that. And I'm glad for all that. Hallelujah. But there's also other things. Somebody needs to rise up with the gift of healing. Sister Freeman had the gift of healing. I took her over to Jim Williams' house. His wife, uh, uh, she had crippling arthritis and had one leg by the time I met her. And her arms was fall out of socket. And because uh, they would eat up with arthritis and she's on heavy medication. And uh, I took Sister Freeman over to her house and she prayed for her. And Jim come in that night and she was going. He said, don't do that. You'll go to the hospital. I said, nope. So God healed me. He woke up one night and she was speaking in tongues. He'd been, he's a, he called himself a backslidden Baptist. He said, if you can be that. He said he believed in one saved always. He said, what are you doing in there? And she said, oh, oh nothing. He said, well, I just thought it was a medicine. Uh, she died shortly after that. And he came over to our church, and he got the Holy Ghost about a month after she, she did. Became a United Pentecostal minister because of the gift of healing. She had me preach his funeral, her funeral. Hallelujah. Funny story about that church had been there for several hundred years and it burned down that that night and they accused me of bringing too much fire <laughs> I, i'm just telling you what they said <laughs> hallelujah praise god sister smalley had the gift of miracles sister freeman told me so call sister smalley i have the gift of healing she said to, of her self and says but sister smalley has the gift of Miracles. So we did. We called Sister Smalley. You had her here. 
And she prayed, uh, prayed uh, for my father-in-law who had Parkinson's disease. He got the Holy Ghost. Prayed two of my children got the Holy Ghost. My wife had uh, thyroid disease. Prayed for her. I had prayed for a hundred times. Nothing happened. See, God didn't put this so that one person or two people could be on a pedestal. He put this so that the body would work together and that the body would would edify it, the, 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 the church and that it, there, it would be evangelistical. And so uh, I won't tell the rest of that story because my wife gets upset with me. So <laughs> she was healed. That's all I'll say. Praise God. So the body is not one member but many. Can you imagine what it would be like we don't, there's a big thing right now about in college, they're having a big revival. And I don't know why the, the newspaper pick up because they're pretty prejudiced against Christians, but there must be something going on there, and that's great. And there, before that was another place, and people would flock down there. That's not what God planned. God planned for every church to have that kind of a, a spirit of God moving in them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're kind of guilty if we're not careful. We'll pick out people and we hear a, rest, uh, a, 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 a reputation and, you know, and, and, and it's just natural. We want, we want to hear from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But God can talk to you. Yeah. We should not say to this brother is, is worthy more than another brother or sister, yet there, there are greater and lesser abilities and gifts. We've got to recognize that too. There's nothing wrong with that. Hallelujah. And those that have walked with God longer and are more mature naturally will be more honed in a gift that, that God has given them. Roman. 12 and 5 says, so we being many are one body and every member one of another, having then gifts differently according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. This is important for everyone to start, starts out shallow. There's nothing wrong with that. When you started out walking, what did you do? You didn't start just start out running. You you started walking uh, just haltingly, and then you fell down, and you tried again. That's a miracle that God showed us right there. Try again. Hallelujah. You pray for ten people, nobody gets healed. Pray for someone else. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Seventh verse, or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry, or teaching on our teaching, Romans 8, at 12, 8, or on exhortation, on, a, on exhortation. You will find different levels of faith and maturity in the gifts people operating. One of the wonder, most wonderful things I learned early as a young Christian is that it's all right to make mistakes and God knows that and the pastor knows that 
And if it's not too bad, he might let it slide. If it's really bad, <laughs> he may have to talk to you about it. But that's okay. Get up, try again. Hallelujah. Praise God. First Corinthians 12 and 26. And whether one member suffereth, all members suffer with it. Whether one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now, this is still Paul using the body to teach about the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? So when one gift is missing, our whole body suffers. The whole church suffers. If you won't let your gift be used, the body suffers. Praise God. You say, well, I can't teach, or I can't do this, I can't do that. How do you know? Well, I don't do it as good as so-and-so. Who cares? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what happened to Pentecost? Well, we have majors on some things. Gifts, gifts of preaching, teaching, knowledge, vocal gifts of tongues interpretation, sometimes prophecy. Some of the gifts of words of wisdom and governments. And we've less emphasis and lesser on the lesser gifts that we consider. Not that we don't want these, but we may not always understand these, like healing, working of miracles, discernment of the spirit, and the gift of faith. Now, the Bible says in the 27th verse, now you ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set in the church first apostles, secondary prophets, third teachers, and after that the working of miracles, the gift of healings and helps and governments and diversity of tongues. So the church has majored on some things, and we need to tighten up on some other things. When I when nine eleven happened. I called the district superintendent, Scotty Teach, on the 14th. Brother Teach was the district metro, uh, metro district superintendent of the New York. He was weeping profusely, profound, uh, anyway, a lot, and told me that weeks ago he had a dream of planes attacking New York. He told me his church, he told me he got up and told his church this. He said their faithful expression is that they didn't really believe him. But when it happened, they started calling him and said, Pastor, just what you told us has happened. Then he told me about a dream that he had many years ago when he was holding a revival for Brother Verbal Bean. He showed, God showed him a large building collapsing without an antenna on it. On 9-11, he said, he was traveling to the inner city, and the police stopped the subway train and made him, him to get off. And when he came up out of the subway, he arrived at the exact moment when the towers fell, and he said he had not thought about that dream for years, but said, I remembered the dream 
that God gave me, it was exactly the same building with the antenna I saw so many years ago. We're talking about the working of the Spirit. God knows what's going on. God knows what's happening 100 years from now. He knows what, what you need to know. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may not understand it when it happens, until it happens, but God knows. Hallelujah. This is how God warns his people sometimes. This is how he, he, he sends special messages to them. This is how the body is designed to work. Now, there are hindrances to the gifts. There are some of the major problems stopping the working of the gifts in the church and the exercising of the fivefold ministry. We have already talked about the lack of belief in your fellow, your fellow Christian, your brother and sister. But not understanding God, that God can use people at different levels in their walk with God causes his works to, to be hindered. A person starting with tongues interpretation is not going to have a 32-page revelation. They might just say one short little thing. Hallelujah. Praise God. The next thing that hinders the gifts of the Spirit is unbelief. Matthew 13 and 58, And he, that's Jesus, did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. Not your unbelief, but other people's unbelief. He had to put people out sometimes to raise somebody from the dead because they're unbelief. And so unbelief in any form will hinder the gifts of the Spirit. The lack of trust in others in the body, the Holy Ghost, is a dove and will not light its foot unless it feels welcome and trusted. A quote from Concerning Spiritual Gifts by John, uh, Donald G. I've been quoting. Some may puzzle because they only their only concept of the spiritual gifts that they represent nothing but the pure working of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The whole teaching in Acts or in First Corinthians twelve and fourteen, chapter of First Corinthians, however, is that the use of the gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, once bestowed, is open to the will and in, of the individual. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. In other words, there is a control. The first part of the control is you can say, well, I can't stop myself. Oh, yes, you can, because it says that the spirit is subject to the prophet. There's a control there. Okay? And the uh, next thing is the problem is we quench the spirit in fear. It is just us and not God. That's a trick of the devil. I remember when I was getting ready, I was minister in Washington's district, and I went before the board, and the wise district superintendent, Brother Yaden, says to me, Brother Dillon, said, do you ever desire to pastor? And I was honest. I said, yes, I, I have, but I'm not sure it's me 
for God. He said, Brother Dillon said, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching the innermost parts of your being. He said, that was God. That took care of it for me. A word of wisdom from an elder. I didn't have to worry about that no more. The devil couldn't use that no more. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14, and I had to hurry, and I don't think I'll get done. But anyway, for I pray, I will pray in an unknown tongue, and by my, my spirit prayeth. But the understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray in the spirit, I will pray in the understanding also. I will sing in the spirit, and I will sing in the understanding also. And yet in the church, I would rather speak five words. He didn't say, he went on to say, don't forbid speaking in tongues. But he says the proper place and time, and people coming in, they say, everybody speaking in tongues, they'll say, oh, crazy. They're not going to get anything out of it. Hallelujah. So that's why it's important as a preaching of the word. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm not going to read these just to kind of hurry up. 28th verse, if you speak in tongues, if there's no interpreter, just shut up. Okay? Uh, And then if if there is an interpretation and something is revealed to someone else that says abide, then hold your peace and let them speak. And the spirit, the 31st, the 2nd verse, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Hallelujah. What must we do? Let's get back to the way the Bible. Well, I'm not too bad. I'm just about done here. Praise God. I I will tell this story, and then I'll end with this. I can remember the first time that I prayed uh, that I used the gift of the Spirit. I had been praying for some time that God would use it. Now, the Bible says, 31st verse, but covet earnestly the best gifts. That is a command for you to pray for God to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. No way to get around that. It's what God told you to do. I'm not going to ask you to show your hands how many people prayed that this last year. We kind of shy away from that because it kind of scares us. So, I remember the first time that I was using the gift of prophecy. I had prayed for many weeks that God would use me. And I was sitting in the service one night, and God spoke to me. He asked me, he said, would you stand up and believe me for a prophecy? My heart sank. And God said again, said, now, have you not been praying for me to use you in the gift? had to admit yes. Finally, I stood up. It was the quickest thing you ever did. It was probably one sentence long. It was very short. It shook me through and through. But when you believe God, when God says, would you believe me for prophecy, you stand up and you open your mouth and you don't have any words of your own to say. It's a scary thing. And I did what I felt that God wanted me to do. I opened my mouth and there was a sentence come out. I was quaking on the inside. I was afraid my pastor was going to rebuke me. 
But later that night when I visited with the pastor, he said, said, Brother Bill, that's what they called me back in those days. I felt the spirit of a prophet coming here in this room when you prophesied. When he did that, it gave me the courage to try again. He could have crushed me, and I would have never tried it again. But because of that, one time, it just so encouraged me that I tried again. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop right there. Hallelujah. God's good. He wants to use you. He desires earnestly the best gifts. Well, why don't you let God put that in your heart, what the best gift is for you? He didn't say what.